Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of his great love is that he gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And he gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. I like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Hello, today I'm delighted to introduce you to Twyla France. Uh, This is how she describes herself. She's a big believer in baby steps. Now that just caught me right there. And we're going to talk about that a little later on, Twyla. And Ripple Effect Living. She is a missional neighboring guide, which of course caught my eye right away. A writer and a host of the podcast, The Uncommon Normal. Welcome, Twyla from Kentucky. Thank you. So glad to be here. Oh, so good. Tell us a little bit about your family, where you live and uh, what your ministry is. And then we'll get into the questions. Okay. Sounds great. Well, I live in Lexington, Kentucky. We are um, not native to this area, but we absolutely love it. It is a great place to raise a family. And we've been here since my middle daughter was one. We actually moved on her first birthday that weekend. So never will forget that. Um, (laughs) But we, we live in a small neighborhood. It has one entrance into the neighborhood. And so it's just this kind of unique little pocket where a lot of a lot of people, even way before we moved here, were spending a lot of time in their front yard. They were mm. uh, just having this community where they were getting to know each other, spending time in each other's houses and really just doing life together. So when we when we were looking for a house, this was back, let's rewind about five years. We are in a very, very tiny rental house. It's nothing fancy at all. One of the most humble places that, that you can picture, but we felt stuck there because we had recently moved to Lexington and we had a duplex in another city that we were trying to sell. Mm. And we did not want to own two houses at the same time. So, so we were kind of in this holding pattern where we're saying, God, we really want a bigger house. We really, really want to move. And we had a third child coming. Um, and we only had two bedrooms, ours and the girls were sharing. So, so it was very tiny and, we're just like, God, I don't know when this is going to happen, um, but it's in your hands. We need this house to sell before the duplex to sell before we can buy our own. And in the midst of all that, we were learning from our church, just some really intense discipleship models. And God was stirring this desire in our hearts to really get to know our neighbors and to lead what is called a missional community in our neighborhood. And where we were living, we we're thinking there's no room at our table. There's not an extra seat. Um, there's nowhere. There's not much parking space in front. It's just not very conducive. And so we put that dream on hold for a long time. Looking back, I wish that that we had started a little differently, sure. you know, from right yeah. where we are. And I would encourage other people to, to, to take a different route, but we really just tabled that dream for a long time. And so when we moved into this neighborhood, it was a, not quite a foreclosure, but it was definitely a fixer upper. And we realized really quickly that some of those lessons that God had taught us in this little humble rental house where it was 
rather embarrassing to invite anybody over and there's nicks in the linoleum and there's flat painted walls that we can't hide mm-hmm. anywhere, you know, any of the kids had touched, um, that it broke down, um, just kind of some of these barriers that we have, like our house has to be perfect and put together and furnished and look presentable in order to be hospitable. But we found really that, um, just opening up our door and saying, here's our mess, here's our unfinished house, here's all the projects like that are currently going on and you're still welcome in that um, something really, really shifted in our hearts. So we can see how God was preparing us for this, you know, back back when our house was really small. Mm -hmm. So when you moved into your current neighborhood and you said it only has one entrance, that's the same with my neighborhood, Mm -hmm. but we have three streets. So we have 90 homes. I went around and counted them because I invite them all to a Christmas brunch every December. It's uh, amazing. I, no, it's not. I You just put a little note in their box. I think that's illegal, but I try to send out emails. But um, I only get 10 to 15 at the most. People are busy in, at Christmas. And lately I've been putting things in about, because of Jesus' birthday, bring a, birth, a baby present and we'll give it to Family Care Network or something. And sometimes I think that might turn people off. But most people come because they just want to get acquainted with their neighbors. So it's such a great opportunity. So how many homes in your neighborhood? I have not counted. Um, I honestly don't know exactly. We walk it all the time, but I am well, not next a time you walk, person. Yeah, next I time should. you walk it. Yeah, make one of your older kids count. How old are your kids? That's what I want to ask you. Oh, yeah. Great question. Um, so my oldest is in middle school. It's her, her second year in middle school, and she's 12. I have a 10-year-old and then a 6-year-old. Okay. That's great. Yes, I should put them to counting because most of the time if we end up walking, our kids ask, are we walking or are we just talking to people? Because most of the time we (laughs) run into people and we end up chatting and our kids will say, well, the walk takes forever, but that's kind of the point. So I think I would probably get really distracted if I was trying to count. So I'll put my kids to that task. Yes. And then offer them gummy bears afterwards or something, anything that, (laughs) anything that we need to do, bribe them. Um, I have to tell you a funny story. After one Thanksgiving dinner, um, we put everybody who was there into teams and um, we did a Thanksgiving scavenger hunt in the neighborhood. And so like pick up a rock or a, a find a feather, you know, anything to do with Thanksgiving and pilgrims. But, a, but one of the questions was knock on someone's door and sing them a Thanksgiving carol. So here we are interrupting the neighbor's Thanksgiving dinner, but it was hilarious. But my kids have not let me do that since, but it was really fun. <laughs> the one time we did it. Okay. Um, uh, you sort of answered it, but if you would, if someone asked you for a definition, what is a missional neighbor? I'm intrigued by that. Sure. Sure. And I think it's, it's kind of a working definition because I keep trying yeah. to reframe it in a way that is more everyday language and just make sense outside of Christianese, which I think is really super important because so often we overcomplicate what it means to share our faith. So the way that I define it right now is really just saying that it's as simple as a ripple effect where what we are growing on the inside, what we're allowing God to cultivate in our hearts has this way of extending out into our face expressions, into our words, our actions, our reactions, into everything that we do. It's our rhythms. It's how we treat people. It's it's the way that we, <clears throat> sorry, it's the way that we stop and we notice them. It's the way that we're interruptible. And so really it's just 
saying, Hey, I'm going to get really close to Jesus because that is what is going to grow good things in my heart. And then I'm going to let people get close to me. So that way I have these deep enough relationships where the things that God is doing inside of me can ripple out beyond me. Okay. That's very similar. I heard someone say, um, ministry is spillage. So the only way, way, it's the same thing as ripple. The, The only way that, well, God does the real work anyway. A friend told me that once when I was walking with her through her neighborhood and I was worried about speaking at some event and I'm saying, I feel so inadequate, which I am and continue to be, but this was like 25 years ago. And she said, Sue, it doesn't matter. God does the real work anyway. So since you, you know that as well, and I know that, so we are behooved by that to be so close to Jesus, like what you just said. I love that. So that what spills out, especially if someone knocks us, you know, in a negative fashion, mm-hmm. what will spill out, well, what, what will spill out of some will be bad words, maybe, <laughs> or maybe it'll be uh, not feeling interruptible. I love that, that, mm-hmm. that we live interruptible because um, what we see as interruptions is God's appointments, as someone has said too. So, um, so let me go over that again, because I couldn't catch it all. So to live as a, a missional neighbor would be to be interruptible. This is a list of, of a bunch of characteristics. Mm-hmm. Interruptible would be one, st- starting with being so close to the Lord that that's what spills out. And the ripple effect, what else would be um, to live as a missional neighbor? Um, so the different rhythms that that I think that we cultivate or that, that begin to grow as we get close to Jesus are things like gratitude, um, just having... Mm gratitude, humility, vulnerability, our, our faith, being able to trust God and say that he's good nevertheless. And um, the, these sorts of things, I think, rather than becoming something that, hey, I need to get better at being patient and being kind and having a gentle tongue and being vulnerable, all these, all these things, I think just as we spend time with Jesus, that's where we really learn to imitate him because he rubs off on us. So it's becoming, or it's this... Um, it's just a lot more organic where we spend the time with, with Jesus and we learn his heart and his nature and his character. And that just slowly begins to change us. And so we're not working, trying to, trying to keep up these rhythms or trying to live in a certain way. It just becomes more of this natural overflow. But I do think that, that we're going to show growth if if we are really close to Jesus and he's changing us, we're going to continue to look more like him every day. And I think a big piece of this, this whole idea of a ripple effect also is when we stop trying to be perfect, trying to have it all together, trying to say, well, I can only show the best side of me, the side of me that looks fully finished and formed like Christ that can be really, it, it can set barriers, I think, sometimes and make us feel less approachable to, yeah. and less relatable. And so when we can step into this vulnerability and say, well, I trust that God's good, but this thing that I'm walking through right now, I'm really wrestling through this. And you start to open up these real life pieces of your story and say, I... I'm I'm not a finished product. God is still working on things in me. This is this is what I'm talking to him about. This is our conversation. I'll let you into a piece of it. It becomes 
relational instead of preachy. And I think that that can be really appealing Mm -hmm. when we're just saying, Hey, I'm going to peel back my life and I'm going to let you see some of the really messy stuff and some of the things that are in the very middle of the story. And I'm not going to wait to tell you until this is all wrapped up and I have a pretty bow to put on top and I've learned my lesson and I've moved on. But I, I think that when we can rub elbows with people and we can start to let them into those, those things that God is growing in us, like he's growing patience in us, but we can open up about the times that maybe we weren't in what he's teaching us through that and how okay, we are. Let me, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you pick and choose who you're going to share that vulnerability with in your neighborhood? That is a really good question. Um, I would I, say I get paid to ask good questions, but I don't get paid. <laughs> um, I, I want to say that I, I don't necessarily be really choosy. I am mm. not naturally super vulnerable. It it pushes oh. me really hard against my grain. And I'm much more, my preference is much more to not ask for help, to not need help, to mm. have my house put together. It just feels a little more comfortable. It feels a whole lot more safe. But um, 2019, I picked a word of the year. Uh, I say I picked a word of the year, but it kind of just... Fell into my head. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just something that God dropped in my head and he's like, Hey, do something with this. Hold it close. I have something I want to teach you. And, and so I just took this word. It was open. Open was the word. Open was the word. And I just kept asking over and over again, what does this mean? How am I supposed to grow from this? And Mm -hmm. There are so many layers to open, but one of them, a big piece of it was just peeling back some of those layers and saying, just show up real, show up messy, show up vulnerable, let some of that facade and that I need to have it all together. I need to be in control. I need to not miss a step. Just let that go and be real and let people in beneath that exterior. And so that has been a new direction that I'm going granted we can't it's not the wisest to open up and share all of our you know super super personal stuff with with everybody but i do think that in most situations leading with a little bit of vulnerability and saying hey i'm brave enough to go first and you don't have to think more highly of me after this conversation i would rather you walk away feeling that that i was real that i really let you get to see inside of my heart um because Jesus can ripple out through us a lot more when, when we don't have those walls and those barriers. So I think just as a default, I'm trying to, in little ways, go in a different direction, be more open. Well, that's great, because um, I know a lot of introverts, and they would feel the same. Like, I don't really want to um, uh, share my weakness with someone else. And I can feel the same way as an extreme uh, an extrovert on steroids that I don't want to share this because they'll think badly of me, which means that it's about me and not about Jesus. So that can be kind of like our little catchstone that we go in our spirit that, oh, the reason I'm not sharing this, is it because it's not wise, which sometimes we need to be wise and not share, or is it because I'm too proud and just lay that out before the Lord. Um, you sort of touched on this. You mentioned a former, was it a former church? Uh, how did you develop that passion for missional neighborhood? You said our pastor taught a class on it or something. What was that? Sure. Um, so it was, it was a church that we we're part of for quite a few years and they had this discipleship model that it was disciple, disciple making disciples. And it, 
this idea that it would keep rippling out, keep expanding, that healthy things grow and kind of keep multiplying. And we were part of a group. We were being invested in by leadership and being being trained to be leaders. It's kind of a very specific track. Um, And we also had these weekly or sorry, not weekly, weekend intensives where we had some speakers come in, we would break into small groups and we would dig really deep into, uh, we used a lot of Mike Breen's Life Shapes. I'm not sure if you're familiar with his book. Um, It's called Building a Discipleship Culture. And he uses these Mm. shapes as discipleship models. And Mm. it is fascinating and it simplifies it. And it's really, really, really good. So we were kind of breaking this down. Mike Sheen? Mike Mike. Uh, Mike Breen, B-R-E-E-N. Okay. The book is really, really, really good. So Mike Breen and then Cesar Kalinowski is also a really big name. He was one of a, one of the speakers and that is how I first got connected with him. But he is a guru of discipleship and missional living. And I've learned so much from him as well as Mike's books. But And what um, was that second name? Uh, Cesar Kalinowski. Oh boy, I'll never be able to spell that one. I'll look it up. You can okay, send it to yeah, me. I'll send it to you. He okay, has a and, podcast, a podcast and you, every day. And you say that um, you say that you are a missional neighborhood guide. What do you mean by that? How are you a guide, I, like an Indian guide? You know, <laughs> um, I, I, what I mean by that is just that I really want to help other people get close to Jesus and grow these deep missional friendships with their neighbors. So I don't want just for this to be something that we do here in our neighborhood, but I really want to help other people who are wanting more community, more purpose, more um, more people in their life. Because I think there's so many of us that we close ourselves off in all these little ways where we're trying to safeguard our heart or we're just... Um, keeping people at an arm's distance for one reason or another. And I think that we have this deep, deep longing to have community, to have connection. Mm-hmm. So even, even the people that they live in a neighborhood, maybe they are surrounded by people all the time. I think there's this, just this desire that I really want to be seen. I want to be known. I want people to to know my stuff. I want to have somebody's back. I want to be the one you know, that somebody would call in the middle of the night and I want other people to, to be there for me. So I, what my goal is, is to help people move from, hey, I don't know any of my neighbors to slowly taking baby steps into really developing the relationship with Jesus and then slowly opening up and building actual deep friendships with their neighbors. Okay, my questions next, I think you've already answered. How can we get in on the ripple? Uh, and do you see, oh, I'll ask that in a minute. How can we get in on the ripple? Is that starting with Christ? Sounds like start mm-hmm. with Christ, you spend time with him. But I think some of us have to really just start with, Lord, help me to love my neighbor, because I don't really care about them. And some of my neighbors can be tricky. Some of your neighbors, I'm sure, are tricky. And that wonderful book first came out as a book, a man called Otto. He was a very tricky neighbor and he didn't want to get close to anyone. And so when we get up, when we find people who are kind of grumpy or grouchy or really like one time we went Christmas caroling to this guy, guy's house and my brother was playing guitar and he just kept playing more songs. And I know the guy did not want us at his door, but I thought, oh, well, he was an attorney. You know, those attorneys, just kidding. It's your husband attorney. Anyway, um, 
And so we just have to ask the Lord to give us the direction and the mm -hmm. peace. And um, maybe you need to take over some Trader Joe's scones or pumpkin bread or whatever it is. Um, so let me have you answer the question, how can we get in on the ripple? Sure. I think you really did touch on a good point there because sometimes we're not in a spot yet that we want to, or maybe we don't even know for sure that we really want to be close to Jesus. We can start with those prayers of God, help me to want to want you. And he is there for all of our honesty. He doesn't, um, he doesn't wait for us to have our lives perfect before mm -hmm. he says to come and spend time with me. And sometimes Sometimes I think we need to start a rhythm, to start a practice in order to realize how much we want it. I know for me that having a morning routine where I spend time with Jesus every single morning for a long time, it felt very restrictive, very like, I just want to spend time with God whenever I want to. And that worked great when I had a college student schedule and I could stay up late and I you know, I didn't have other people in the house. And so I would spend time with Jesus, but it would be, you know, at random times. And and I just, I didn't have a set routine. And fast forward to being married Three and kids. having kids, like it, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And mm -hmm. so I had quite a few years that I struggled a little bit with that time that I was really investing in my relationship with God. And finally I was like, I, I need to go back to here's a set time every morning and I started showing up and it changed so much. And very soon after it became my very favorite time of the morning. And I can't even imagine not getting up because I don't want to miss that time. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes that's where we are, where, where we're like, I have this inkling of a desire that I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to be actually getting to know my neighbors, but I'm not all the way there. Maybe we just have to start getting our feet wet a little bit and, and see how good it is in order to want it more. Yeah, and I think that God uh, shows us our real self, how ugly we are and how dependent we are on him to even want him. I mean, we have to go mm -hmm. all the way, all the way back to all those layers. You, you keep using the word rhythm. Do you have a free resource on your website about rhythms? I, I do. Okay. It is actually a part of a devotional that I wrote, which is a short little pocket-sized devotional. Like it. It's called... It's pretty. Thank you. It's called Cultivating a Missional Life, and it is a 30-day devotional to gently help you open your heart, home, and life to your neighbors. And but that's printed. It is. The, this one is printed. Um, but they can get the printable one? They can get it, one. So I have the first week. It, it's not the whole book, but I have okay. a sample week of it Perfect. Um, available, and I will get you the link for that. So they can check oh, it out if they want you. to get the rest of it. Um, it's just a few dollars on Amazon, but yeah. it... It has a lot of those different rhythms that I've talked about. And it also starts with the heart posture and what we're putting in, because whatever we put in is what's going to ripple out. So I okay. really wanted to hit home on, on that. Do you see ripple effect faith in scripture? I do. I do. There are so many verses. Just give me talk one. about this overflow. Um, <laughs> let me pull out my journal because I think I actually just noted a couple of these. Um, and just, just so you know, audience, I don't give her the questions in advance. So give her some time. <laughs> okay. Rather than flipping 
through here. And I'm sorry, I don't have the reference um, right. off the top of my head, but one that I come back to often is, um, and sorry, I'm not, now I'm blanking on this. Um, I, I want to say that it is in the book of John, but it's the one that he's talking about that he's going to give us abundant life, like more than we even asked mm -hmm. for so mm -hmm. much that it overflows. And mm. That's a good and one. I picture a fountain. Um, and I'm I'm sorry, I don't have the exact. Don't verse apologize. We would be intimidated um, if you knew the whole Bible by heart. Okay, <laughs> um, abundant but, life. Yeah. Okay. And then I, he promises I, more and a, more abundance. He says that yes. also in Ephesians, Ephesians three twenty. Yes. Now yes. unto him who is able to do abundantly above all that we can ask or think. That one I just yes. know because I've learned it since college, and I'm older than you. But yes, go ahead. Yeah. So this this overflow and. I start to notice it. I, there are so many more verses. I just don't have them yeah. all the list in front of me. But, but what I see is that God gives us more than what he means just for us. He mm -hmm. gives us too much because it's supposed to spill out beyond us. And mm. as it spills and it ripples, he keeps filling us with more. And it's kind of like if you have a container of water, <clears throat> um, if you have a container of water and you just try to keep it full, but you never change the water, it's not going to stay fresh. It's going to stagnate. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happens when we try to say, here's, here's my faith. It's private. It's just only for me. It's just between me and God and nobody else is it, it kind of dries out. It becomes stagnant. It doesn't <laughs> stay the same. So when we, see it instead as this ripple, this overflow, almost like a fountain, like God is pouring into us and it's just like splashing out beyond mm -hmm. it. It is this constantly moving stream of water and we stay filled and it's touching everybody else around us. Right. And we don't need to actually look at necessarily how many people are getting touched. We just keep our eyes on Christ and then the water will go through forever. I mean, until he comes. I think Oswald Chambers says something about that too, and my utmost for his highest that we don't, we just work on on uh, on the source of the river and let the river flow through and hit all these people's lives that we will never even meet, mm -hmm. and that keeps us from being proud because the default for Christians and non Christians is pride, as we know, and uh, so just to keep our minds and hearts on Him and really that's the main thing. If people get overwhelmed with the do's and don'ts of Christianity when they don't know Christ. But there aren't do's and don'ts other than love God and love your neighbor. And so within that, there are these huge things that we can do every day and wake up every day and say, what neighbor um, do you want me to love today and how? Because I'm just too tired or I have a cold and my kids are driving me crazy. And you just let him answer the way he wants to. Um, what I think you've answered this as well, but what do you know about heart posture and why is it important to you? I think the heart posture is so key because that is what sets the way that we approach God and is, is our desire to have him teach us, to train us, to shape us. It's, it's this humility to say, God, I don't have this together. I don't have the answers, but I'm available and I'm here. And I, I've also found that there's some kind of connection between our physical posture in our heart posture oh, and um there are there are several things that have been just heavy prayer burdens in the last six months or so that have brought me to my knees and that practice takes me back to i used to spend lots of time 
there on the floor and met with God in a very rich way all through my college years. But as we were talking about that morning routine practice, it just kind of became a little bit non-existent for a while. And as I'm coming back to it, realizing that I know God very differently on my knees than I do when I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, when I'm praying elsewhere, it, it just changes how honest I am. It changes how much I expect that he's going to listen and, um, changes the way that I trust him. So, so I think that they are, at least for me, they're, they, they are very connected that mm. sometimes it's opening your hands. Sometimes it's raising your hands. Sometimes it's kneeling. Sometimes it's just laying on the floor, but putting yourself in a posture of saying, God, I, I trust you. And I surrender that that really does affect how our heart is going mm-hmm. to approach him. I totally relate to that. I I can't lay prostrate on the floor in the living room because my dog crawls all over me because it's <laughs> time to play, not pray. But kneeling does work. Um, what do you mean when you say direction over pace? Direction over pace. Yes, um, this has become one of my mantras. And probably because I am an introvert. And like I was saying, it's not natural for me to be the one talking to everybody or starting the conversations or being vulnerable and letting people see down into, you know, some, some of the messier pieces of my life. But when I say direction over pace, it reminds me that I don't have to get there overnight. I don't have to know my neighbors overnight. I don't have to have a rock solid faith, you know, in, in this one giant leap. Most things don't happen that fast and it can feel really intimidating if we expect that it has to be, or we look at people who are ahead of us and say, oh, well, I have to be I'm, there. And I'm order, never going you know, to be. Yeah. And yes. it reminds me of uh, Jennifer Duke's leave, but growing slow, you know, yes, it's like yes. where we, where we actually treasure the slowness of our pace, which is, I think, it, I think it's such a comfort to me. You know, because I'm uh, 40 years older than you. And so I think, well, I should, I should know this already, or I should be like this, but rather just taking it by the day and saying, what pace do you want me to just staying close to the Lord? Like what you said, and then let him hurry me up or slow me down, depending on, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is definitely a lot of it. And for, for me, it's also just saying, well, the pace doesn't really matter as much if I'm taking these baby steps, but I know where I'm going because the trajectory is really, okay. really there we important. Go. So if I have, if, if I know what the goal is, if it's to be close to Jesus and to be, have these deep relationships with my neighbors, then I know where I'm going. And no matter how slowly I'm going, I'm going to keep inching my way forward. And I also like to think of Dave Ramsey. He talks about, um, <clears throat> he talks about a baby steps snowball. And I found that that could be very, very true in terms of missional neighboring as well, where we start out small, you know, maybe it's just spending a little bit of time in our front yard or being a little more visible to our neighbors. And then that begins to snowball and develop into deeper friendships. Yeah. Um, that's so true. Uh, we had this, well, because of the Christmas brunches, then I got acquainted with some of my quieter neighbors and one in particular, um, would always stay after and do all my dishes. And so I really appreciated her because <laughs> I like to prepare for company, but I don't like to clean up. It can take me a week anyway. And so, and she was just so dear and not a church goer. And then uh, 
One day I was outside talking to a neighbor and an ambulance came by. And so, and there were kids in the street and everything. So everybody moved out of the street. And then we just watched to see where the ambulance was stopping because we know people on this block, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not being nosy, we're concerned. And then we see um, this woman's husband come out on his two feet. So then we know it's her. And mm -hmm. so they brought her out on a stretcher and then we, and they drove her away and her poor husband couldn't go to the hospital because it was during COVID. Oh. So we all gathered around him and they're private people, you know, so he just mentioned something about her heart. Um, and then we got a meal train going right then, you know, we just, emailed, we texted each other and put meals together for about a week. And then we found out through his daughter that uh, she was coming home, but she was not well. And the next week on a Friday, no, a Saturday morning, I was sitting on my porch and I got a text from the husband. He said, we lost her last night. Oh. But I felt honored that he would choose me. I mean, I'm not a close friend. Um, and he says, would you tell the neighbors? So mm -hmm. like you said, things flourish into something bigger when we take the baby step. And mm -hmm. the baby step was for me to invite her over. And she took a big step to come. And that she would come every year for five or six years. And uh, and one time they had an open house, so we made sure we went because we don't get invited very often. I don't mm -hmm. know if you find that's the case. And through that then, and then her husband came for Easter brunch last year. He didn't want to come to church. But, you know, there's little steps. I thought, oh, well, I did my best. And, uh, and we put conversation starters under the plates, you know, so that people would feel more comfortable and... Uh, so I just think that's so encouraging what you're teaching, Twyla, that we don't have to save the whole neighborhood. In fact, we can't save anybody. But we ask the Lord to show us how to love this next person that we meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'd be surprised that's how true. many neighbors just stay in their house because they're depressed. It's kind of very, very, very sad. So, you know, this is a um, podcast on legacy. What legacy do you want to make sure that those who know and love you, that you leave for them? Well, I'll I'll try to recap because it is a lot of what we have That's already okay. been talking about. That's um, but what I what I think I most want to pass down to my kids and to everybody else who who knows me, and that is people in the neighborhood, but also through writing, is that God is always <laughs> always accessible. He's good, nevertheless, and He is worthy of our praise. Say that one more time. God okay. is. God is always accessible. In other words, we can always, always talk to him. He's always listening. He always cares. He always sees us. He always hears us. Um, he's good nevertheless. And that is a big thing that I have been wrestling through is sometimes we can't see how he's good because he's not done yet. And, and that is- And he's not, it doesn't seem like he's hearing our prayers. You're, you're right. Um, but learning, learning his nature- and saying, okay, well, you are good. You're faithful. You always have been means that if I can't see it right now, it's probably because I have a smaller perspective than you do. I'm not seeing the end of the story. So I can trust that no matter what is happening, no matter what you might say no to or not yet to, it is not, it's not changing the fact that he is good. Mm -hmm. And um, that he is worthy of our praise, that we live these lives where gratitude is just exuding from us. And I think 
there, there's something I found in scripture that a piece of our purpose is to praise him in the presence of others where other people can overhear us praising him. So it's like mm. pointing this arrow back to him. And when we're talking about those, those messy still in progress stories, that can be a piece of it because God is the hero of those stories. And we're not, you know, if we are, we're the ones who are still learning, we're still struggling through things, but God is good and he's faithful and we can keep pointing to that. Last night we had this young man for dinner who I just met a couple of times and he had become a Christian since the last time I saw him. And he was uh, so on fire for the Lord. I thought, oh, may he never lose this exuberance. And he mentioned uh, our daughter's birthday where um, it was a big birthday party, 30th up in San Francisco where he was. And he says, I'll never forget your second daughter, Bethany, uh, said the prayer before everybody. Oh, she led affirmations because we always do affirmations in our family for birthdays. And she started off by thanking Jesus Christ. And he goes, I was so impressed by that because he was raised in a more liturgical faith and didn't really know Christ. And, uh, and he goes, I mentioned that to her the other day and she doesn't remember doing it. So that to me is the ripple effect. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, she has a big mouth like me, but it was really cool because most of those kids weren't Christians. And for her to say, I thank Jesus Christ for my sister is pretty cool. And that's um, awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And to live a life of gratitude is also something I speak on. I don't do it enough. So it's such a wonderful rhythm for you to be passing down. Um, what obstacles did you have to face to be able to do this? We, we touched on this a little bit too, but really it's saying, hey, I don't have to be all the way put together. It's mm. okay to ask for help. Actually, it's a really good thing. That's a really great way to get to know your neighbors is to break mm. down some of that stuff and say, <clears> it might be super simple, but I'm going to ask you for chili powder or vanilla or an egg and the conversations that can happen out of, out of just that little bit of humility can be huge. Um, but that has been one of the biggest pieces for me is just saying, I don't have to be all put together. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to know all the answers, but I can just come um, as me and let God let God take over, not overthink everything, not try to control it and put it in a box or put it in my timeline, but just to really surrender it and keep open hands. That, that mm -hmm. word open that I mentioned, it, it can be in the posture of our hands too, where we're not having these clenched fists, but we're saying, God, use me how you want to today. Use my time, direct me, um, you know, direct me for these next few minutes at, at, at a time. And so it's just, um, it, it's just inviting him to really take the reins and say, <clears throat> I don't have to make this happen my way. Mm -hmm. And that's hard because the uh, definition of a mother is a control freak. And so we want to control everything. And I think the reason God gives us children is to unlearn all those deep down propensities where we think we have to control things and it just doesn't work with children. That's for sure. Or marriage. Um, how does your life embody God's welcoming heart? Well, I think we kind of know the answer to that, but was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, <clears throat> not Besides a whole lot. Yeah, mm -hmm. not, not a whole lot. I just, um, I just wanted to bring up that whatever it is that we are hoping to do in our neighborhood in our homes is one of the greatest places to start. So if we can't be vulnerable in our homes, if our kids don't 
hear us talking to God when we're going through something really hard and they're seeing that, oh, rather than Googling everything, we're going to God first or we're praising Mm -hmm. him, we're turning on worship music Mm -hmm. in the middle of a season that just feels really, really, really tough. Um, I think that those things can make a bigger impact than we realize. And it's not always big and grand. It can be the things that just feel really small in every day. Mm-hmm. but um, be, being available and being vulnerable. And I think even just letting your kids into those pieces of this is what it means to walk this out, to struggle through some things, to keep <clears throat> showing up when you don't have the answers, when you don't know what you're doing and saying, God, keep using me. Um, sometimes it's apologizing. Sometimes it's... Totally. You know, it, it's asking questions, but, but walking in that humility and that vulnerability and letting that gratitude um, overflow into everything that, that you do, it's going to definitely ripple out to the people who are really mm-hmm. close to you, which will be the people in your home too. That's so true. I When I speak on hospitality, I said it begins in your own home. Mm-hmm. And if we're not kind and gracious and welcoming to our own children uh, and husband, um, you know, it's kind of hypocritical of what we do mm-hmm. el- elsewhere. Well, you have been a delight, Twyla. We will remember these words, ripple and rhythm, for sure, from this talk. And I will put in the show notes how they can find you and listen to your podcast, The Uncommon Normal. Thank you so much. Thank you. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.